You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Greetings, kids. Alan Seiler. Hello. And Veronica Dashel. Hi. <laughs> Why um, is my hi so funny every week? Because it's just cute. Because you're like, hi. It's, it's just adorable. That's all. Okay. I'm the adorable one. Good to know. Well, yeah. I mean, clearly. <laughs> All right. Well, we're celebrating early this week. <laughs> and celebrate early tonight, evidently. Yep, apparently. <laughs> uh, next week will be our, our 40th released episode. But next week, we're going we're to be talking about the Star Trek Prodigy premiere. So Woo-hoo! we're taking the opportunity this week to uh, to celebrate the milestone by watching the and reviewing the 40th episode of each of the Star Trek series. Now, we did this before for our 20th episode, and it was a lot of fun. And then a quick disclaimer. We're, rather than debating the semantics of what constitutes the 40th episode and whether we're going production order or aired order, we just went to Wikipedia and whatever episode is number 40, that's the one we went with. <laughs> it's the great equalizer. So if you have any complaints, address them to Wikipedia. <laughs> and so we're kicking it off with the 40th episode of the original series, Friday's Child, which is an episode I have a lot of fondness for uh, watch, watching it now. There's a lot of things about it, I think, that work and a lot of things about it that don't work. Uh, this is the episode where, uh, you know, Kirk and the gang go to um, the planet Capella and they, they beam down and get uh, embroiled in the in the goings on in Capella. Uh, end up chased by a Klingon and the Capellans and waging a Kirk and Spock war against the Capellans while uh spock is or while dr mccoy is waging a a, a war against a pregnant lady uh played by julie newmar <laughs> and i think julie newmar is yeah. great in this uh is, mm-hmm. and it's, it's fun to see something from julie newmar of this era where she's not playing a sex spot she's playing uh a mother an expectant mother and having to learn how to to deal with the fact in this culture that she's going to have a child and she's going to be a, a single mother she's you know it's a very mate uh, a very patriarchal society uh, i think that the scenes on the enterprise work very well with scotty in command I, I like those scenes a lot, and I like the the introduction of Chekhov. Um, I think the production is where this episode falls down, though. I don't. I think uh, as costuming goes, this is not some of the more memorable or best representative costumes of the original series, uh, especially with the Capellans. And I I don't think that the they they tried to intercut between you know planet sets and real life, life locations that didn't match whatsoever. So it looks like you're on two different planets going back and forth the entire time. The, the sky is a different color. The rocks are a different color. It's, so they're uh, going the, the Doctor Who route. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, I was thinking of Ed Wood, uh, where you just cut to something else that doesn't yeah, that's true. anything that's yeah. happening and then cut back. But that's, that's the unkindest cut of all, Ed Wood. <laughs> uh, uh, and also we get the second appearance of the Klingons here, which uh, which may be the first time that Star Trek fans were sitting at home upset that they had ruined the Klingons because the makeup is entirely <laughs> different from a rate from uh, Errand of Mercy and uh, the Klingon portrayal is quite different. You're going from John Colicos's core to, uh, you know, was it cracks? Is it crack? Crash? Crash? I, <laughs> I forget his name. Crash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the dude from the Mod Squad. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Playing uh, low rent Klingon. I don't <laughs> see how Klingon from either Wish. of them were different. Uh, the, the the original Klingon, John Colossus Klingon, the, the Klingons had a very Genghis Khan style to them. Unfortunately, yeah. a brown face, but heavy yes. makeup, upswept eyebrows. Um, whereas in this one, he's just uh, a dude. No, yeah. no makeup, no eyebrows. I mean, just regular earth eyebrows and skin tone and <laughs> regular earth eyebrows. Yeah, had it, the, <laughs> the wraparound beard. Same thing they did. And in, 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 uh, the trouble with Tribbles also had this. This That was the next one after this one with the Klingons, where mm-hmm. you also had the different makeup before they went back to the original look of the Klingons uh, later on. The look of Veronica's face is killing me. She's like, what are you talking about? She's like, what are you talking about? They they all had black pants and a black Well, they had literally the same costume from the first episode. They pulled it out of the closet. Veronica, that's the most racist thing you can say. (laughs) Okay, okay. I wasn't going to say it. But to be fair, I confused Heath Ledger and um, Legolas. Okay. Uh, Orlando Bloom for the longest oh, time. No, I, no. Yes. No, no, no. I did. No. Yes. Well, but neither of them were Klingons. No. <laughs> I'm not going to like, tell people apart. Pre- I, I was going to say that I missed Put a huge ledger appearance in Star Trek. <laughs> no. Well, what did you guys think of Friday's Child? <laughs> you know, um, but we've talked about this before. At least I've mentioned it before. You could do a whole episode on Star Treks that start out really promising mm-hmm. and then drop off. And the setup for this is intriguing, you know, when you have McCoy giving a briefing to the rest of the people. And it, it brings up things that we've seen only a few times in shows, such as um, A Private Little War. You know, in a, in a Private Little War, Kirk had, in his younger days, been on this planet, and only one guy knew that he was from the stars. And I like shows where they, where McCoy is the expert, where he's been on this planet as a mission. It's not like they're going yeah. for the first time. You know, it's not like Kirk has been there. I, I love mm-hmm. stuff like it's much more realistic but and, it, and there's there's another thing that with a private little war and mirror mirror in this episode is one of those topics that still puzzles me to this day. And my first note is when does the when does the Federation decide to violate the prime directive for their own interest? And when do they decide to keep it? Mm. Because the whole point is they're down there because they, you know, they, as he says, the minerals from their rocks. They would, and, and, and I thought that was really interesting. I thought it started out really interesting, and especially McCoy is showing a video as he's talking about them. And then talking about production value, Charles, and that one dude throws that little that, that thing and that obvious fake tree falls over. <laughs> and, and then McCoy says a close range is as effective as a phaser. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know, but I mean, they're pretty deadly. Depends how close so, you are, I guess. And yeah. where they hit. <laughs> right. And yeah. how deep it goes. Yeah. So it was, it, it, it has an intriguing concept. I'm always intrigued when they do missions like this. I'm always intrigued how the Federation has dealings with primitive planets, obviously having violated the, their own prime directive. And it's intriguing to see the Klingons, but it kind of falls off after mm-hmm. that with the production bays. It feels like two stories. I'm not really engaged in the chase. Uh, there's so much I could say about it. There's things that really talk about the prime directive. There's the same where we're supposed they, Spock casually says, well, since the Capellas have never invented the bow and arrow, this will come as a surprise. And I'm like, what the heck? You just invented a weapon that they've never had before. So I thought that was kind of wild. Um, and then there's some misogyny that, well, it is what it is at the time. Despite mm-hmm. all that, I actually like it. It's a fun show. It's kind of a goofy show. Um, you were talking about the Klingons, where people would say how they look. But you know, people also forget that the Klingons that were introduced with Worf, they're all about honor and courage. They didn't exist yet. Right, that's right. Because this guy is really kind of a coward. This yes. one guy. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, he's just, he's, he's devious. 
And I don't think we've seen a Klingon battlecruiser yet, right? These are, if you look at the non-enhanced versions, both right. the original series, we don't see a ship yet. No, so not till season three. Right. But overall, I like it. That's kind of a goofy show. Yeah, yeah. So I kept wanting, wondering when the monkeys were going to show up because it's Friday's Child. <laughs> well, and wow. Julie Newmar, and Julie Newmar well, was in it. And yeah. she was in the monkeys. Well, you and had, wow. say, was this you had check off with a monkey's wig? Yeah. Right. Was, was, it, was this his first episode? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So clearly, if Friday's Child, Chekhov, Davy, and Julie Newmar, who was on the monkeys, clearly the monkeys were supposed to show up. And I was waiting for the, <laughs> the entire time and I never saw them. I was very sad. Wow. Well, people say they were monkeying around. They just didn't have time to show up. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my favorite uh, elements of this is Scotty in command of the ship. I yes. always love when Scotty is in command of the ship. I think he's always written really well, and he just he just has a natural stance. He just assumes that command position so well. Oh, yeah. I thought he was great. Yep. Yeah. Matter of fact, I, I remember to your point, I, I love the line. I can't do the accent. He goes, we're going to take it right down her throat. Let's see if she has the belly for it. And yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it's also funny. I've been watching Star Trek for so long. There are th- complete aside. There are things that you learn from Star Trek that are just weird. I saw this episode when I was like nine years old. And it was the first time I'd heard the phrase, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. <laughs> I learned it from that. <laughs> and it was also the start of the sometimes running joke of Chekhov claiming everything came from Russia. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, I think it's a good show and I think it's an interesting show. And actually it in episodes like Private Little War and Mirror Mirror, where they discover these primitive planets. I really would like to see if I'd like to see a follow up. I'd like to know what happened with that whole situation and that planet for that matter. Yeah. Okay, so up next we've got the Icarus Factor. Woohoo! Sadly, <laughs> sadly we have to we have to skip over the animated series. Yes, the animated series did not make it to episode. Did 40. not make it to forty. Nope. <laughs> yes, Good Icarus point. Factor. Oh man. Yeah. Real quick to introduce for those who may not have seen it, and I won't blame you if you haven't. This is the episode <laughs> where Riker is, and, and we, we've had conversations about this before. Riker is being considered for command of his own. He's actually been offered a command of his own. And for Starfleet sends uh, an emissary, someone to talk to him about it. And it turns out the guy who is preparing Riker for possibly taking over command of the new ship is his own father, Carl, Kyle Riker, with whom he has a really complicated past. Seems like they haven't even talked in 15 solid years. And the entire episode, I'm going to editorialize here, ends up like a bad the week or sitcom where they have to work out their problems in an hour or less. And Worf is having issues. He's he's crankier than ever than normal, and people mm-hmm. are trying to figure out why. And Wesley, being concerned about Worf, finds out that it's a very important day of Klingons, where a Klingon male goes into one of their many stages of, of going into adulthood. And since there are no Klingons on the ship, he can't do a ceremony. And at the end, Wesley and crew put together something in a holiday for him. Yes, and I don't think the phrase. Klingon cultural database has ever been said more times in a single episode <laughs> than this one. Wow, good call. I didn't know that. This was really weird because I was talking to Chuck about it and I was like, which one of those was the A plot? Because they both seemed like B plots. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. Neither of them are strong enough to really carry no. an, an episode. Um, yeah. So this is uh, season two of Next mm-hmm. Gen, and um, I'm I'm just gonna say 
you know, I think that um, Pulaski gets kind of dogged on a lot. I right. really like her. I, I mean, she, okay, maybe she's no crusher, but I still think she's a solid character. I think the performance is always good. I, I really like her. My my quibble with this episode was the the just the ridiculousness of he and uh, of Riker's father and Pulaski being old friends. They were dating. They almost got married. Right. And then Riker says, "You know my father. Why the hell didn't you ever mention this?" He goes, "It just never came up." That's the stupidest, <laughs> stupidest writing I've ever seen. Dude, I wrote a note right here. It's like, how do you work with somebody and not tell them I used to date your father? Right. I mean, the first time you meet someone, you would say, you know what? I, I know your father. I thought that was silly. And also, I think, and we all, you know, season two, they were trying something different for Star Trek. Because one of the things people, myself included, thought was a little lacking in the original series was there wasn't a lot of interpersonal development. There's yeah. so many times in the original series where I really, I really did want to just kind of have Kirk sit down and talk to Spock and McCoy about his past or stuff. Um, but in, in Next Generation, also Gene Roddenberry really, really, really wanted to move Next Generation away from the original series. He wanted less action. He wanted less fighting. He wanted more interpersonal relationships. And they tried it with season two and it just didn't work a lot because this really does come with like a bad TV, you know, hour drama. Nothing happens. No. Right. Exactly. They're, they're all and just hanging out on the ship for an hour. Exactly. For 45 minutes. And it's not even cute like in Data's day. It's just yeah. like, <laughs> right. yes, that was a day. And also, and also, Alan, to your point about not knowing stuff when, okay, I, I, I have been there. Um, I had some issues with my own family where I think I mentioned before I left the state of Texas because I just had to get away and I didn't go back home for three years. But I did talk to my family on the phone. And if the if the Telosians attacked my parents' house, not the Telosians, who was it? The Tholians. If the Tholians attacked my family's house, <laughs> I think I'd know. Riker didn't even know his father had been involved in an attack by the, 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 by the Tholians that killed a whole bunch of people. His father almost died. Wow. Yeah. That, that felt a little forced to me. Well, the whole episode did. Yeah, it's, yes. it's an old trope in Star Trek that if like a special yes. representative shows up, it'll be someone's ex or someone's estranged parent. And Good Kyle Riker's a both. He's a twofer. Yes. <laughs> like, well, that's we're, true. We're stretching the, the coincidence factor here. Right. But you also had Worf and Kalar, who was also this same season. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that was effective, though. It I like was. I, I agree. That a lot better. I agree. I agree. I agree with that. Um, if y'all indulge me real quick, there was one thing that I thought was was really wild. And to your point about Alan about nothing actually working, it's the scene when Pulaski and Troy are talking about Riker, the Rikers. Yeah. And Troy Those goes. Those Riker this, men. Yes. And she goes in this weird screed about human men haven't evolved. And yeah. they still try to, and I'm sitting there going, what is this? I don't, I literally don't even know what that was all about. It was really strange. I did enjoy the two of them having a scene together and having sort yeah. of a, you know, like an off the cuff conversation together. But I just, right. I just didn't think that was a good scene. And indulge me one more thing. This is literally the only thing I liked from this episode. And I watched <laughs> it and I liked it. So let me say this real quick, because you guys know where I'm going from. I must show you my heart. I travel the river of blood. Woo, woo, ah! The battle is mine. I crave only the blood of the enemy. Ah! The blood wow. of the vanquished flows over my, over my heart. And then, then a whole bunch of woo, 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 
facts. Oh, and wow. then thank you. And that right. was the, as corny as it was. I like that scene. The way he, the way he's laying on the floor in utter pain and looks up at <laughs> Wesley and says, "Thank you." Wasn't it's that great? <laughs> no, <laughs> I actually liked it. It was funny I, to me. The pain sticks. Yeah, I, I like it later on when they start playing Worf's um, like traditions for laughs, like in, <laughs> you know, like the bachelor party and things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I, on D Space Nine, when they did the, the, the Klingon bachelor party and <laughs> they're all miserable. Uh, <laughs> other this, I mean, it's just them watching Worf get stunned right. by a row of Klingons. Yeah. Um, and we have to we can't get out of here without mentioning Ambo Jitsu. Oh, I was, was going to say yeah. that a few minutes ago. Like nothing yes. happens in this episode, and it's all leading up to well, the this, ultimate like, martial art, the right. ultimate evolution of the martial arts. Couldn't you tell? Right. Us? And it's like this big <laughs> showdown between father and son, and it's just not good. It's not. It's I didn't not. feel like it was the ultimate evolution of martial arts. No, no, no definitely not. <laughs> and because of the way they shot it, several times it it was the actual actors. It was Jonathan Frakes and the other two yeah. gentlemen name i didn't write down you can tell and the problem is honestly most of the time they look like they were just waving sticks around trying to hit each other i mean you, <laughs> right. didn't, get any, you, know, you didn't get any like kung fu jean-claude van damme where they can you know those bad movies where the, the, you, you get flashbacks of master trained them to fight blindfolded they literally just seemed like they were waving sticks around trying to hoping to hit each other and so even the battle sequence itself the, the choreography that fight was really horrible and i just yeah. I celebrate Lower Decks for bringing it back as a joke. <laughs> the, yeah. the choreography is fine if it's shot differently. Mm. If yeah. you're shooting in more close up and you're doing like rapid edits from one, from one shot to another mm -hmm. shot, it's fine. But when you keep most of it in long shot and you see exactly what the actors are doing, <laughs> it just doesn't work. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I feel like it should be a lot more blows and dodging and, yeah. and less wandering around blindfolded. <laughs> and I just think some of the some of the things that they avoided would it was just not possible to avoid if you're that, if you're completely blindfolded. Yeah, not for I mean, humans. silly, it's just silly. Maybe for Vulcans and Ferengi, but not for humans. And and let's say that who knew Star Trek had a Martha moment long before Martha became a thing. Because when Riker starts screaming out his mom's name and his father's like, good, work it out. I literally just started laughing. It's, it's just, <laughs> mother! He goes, good, get it out, get it out. Oh, my gosh. It's just bad. <laughs> Makes you long for the pain sticks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never thought about this before until just this second. Both the A story and the B story, whichever one is which, all both involve being hit with big sticks. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. This that. episode is kind of the age of ascension for Star Trek fans. You have to get past it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> good point. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything else about that? No. Please uh, no. Okay. No. Well, moving right along. Yeah, moving along to the Maquis part one. The Maquis. Yeah. So if you haven't seen this, I'm sorry you don't get a, a summary description because you need to go watch it. Uh, but it's it's it kind of like this episode kind of starts to build uh, Voyager coming along eventually because that was yep. that was huge part of vo vo the entire beginning of Voyager. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it because you kind of got to see the Federation in in their dirty bits and how they're not really taking care of everything and um, 
and the Cardassians being <laughs> not mistreated, but um, basically um, attacked by humans just because they're like, well, this was our land and now you can't have it. And while I understand that, there's also ways to do it. And I know that they take forever, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. This is I go, this is a big world building at the time for Star Trek because you're they're, they're building off of elements of next gen and just and even you know characters and situations that were set up on Journey's End on Next Generation just a month before this came out and then are are back in this episode for the two-parter and then you see again in Next Gen. So it's all of a sudden there's storylines that are crossing over between mm-hmm. the shows and then yeah, like you said they they built off of it uh, to launch Voyager uh, which yeah I mean, I th- that was like Marvel for uh, for for yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 90s, absolutely. You know? The stuff yeah. that we're talking about now with all these uh, Paramount Plus shows and the the possibility for crossover and things like that was happening at mm-hmm. that time. It was yeah. It was pretty. It was pretty exciting. I thought. Um, I'm going to say the absolute star of this show is Dr. Bernie Casey. Mm. He is so good, and I really love the on screen relationship with he and uh, captain cisco yeah they're just they're they're both just amazing well i thought that gul dakot was great in this yeah well very true very true dakot and cisco's scenes together were wonderful yeah they were mm-hmm. i love yeah. those scenes but the the difference being and i guess that's why one of them stuck in my head is that we get a ton of uh you know scenes with dukat and true. uh and you know over the years but this is really the only time we get bernie casey mm. Yeah. And and it, it's such a shame. I wish he had been around more. After oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I thought he was great. And you really believe that these guys go way back. Exactly. Casey is um, is a uh, is a he was a good actor. Some some of a certain age may know that Casey also gained great fame during the black exploitation era. Mm-hmm. He he played one of those streetwise smooth dudes. He's in a really fun movie called uh, Trouble Man. Everybody calls him Mr. T. And he's he's really good. Uh, he actually starred in a couple of movies with he had starred in movie with Pam Greer at the height of the black exploitation uh, era. And for people of a certain age, there's a really good B movie called Gargoyles that came out in the early 70s. If you've ever seen that, it's about um, it's about an anthropologist, archaeologist, and his daughter stuck in the desert. And what they stumble upon is the fact that gargoyles are real and hatch every 500 years. And a gargoyle invasion of Earth is about to start because the gargoyles are hatching. And the lead gargoyle, who's pretty scary and, and even by today's standard, is played by Casey in heavy, 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 heavy makeup. He's got scales, long nose, long claws, and wings. Mm-hmm. And awesome. so it's so funny seeing him. Yeah, it's so funny seeing him in this. Yeah, this is um, it's not one of my favorite episodes, the Maquis. There's something about the pacing and the acting that I, I don't love. But I think the points that y'all are making about the world building is really good, especially back then, because all everything like this was new and ambitious at that time. Mm, you're right. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're connecting different shows. And then also you're doing the thing again that Rottenberry wanted more of, which you're bringing in some things like politics. And you also see, I think, with the Maquis, you see that people like um, Robert Hewitt Wolf and Iron Stephen Bear, you see them separating themselves a little bit more from next generation and others. Cause as we know, Deep Space Nine, even though it becomes kind of a war story in the last several seasons, Deep Space Nine was so much about politics and philosophy and mm-hmm. religion and things mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, I think you absolutely. see, yeah, you see a lot of this here. Cause there's like Veronica said, there's a, there's, a, there's a really interesting discussion about this because you think, you know, what you'd say is look, two principalities made this agreement 
and y'all just need to get out. But they feel like it's their home. And then go to the Cox point is, well, if you stay, you, you know, you pay the price for whatever yeah. happens. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Um, there's a couple of shows like we'll talk about later. The one from Discovery that is our 40th. That actually really, it actually watched it again. I was actually eager for the second part and the third part. Mm. Did does watching Maquis Part One alone make you really excited for the second part? Do you, that's do you a, really that's a great question. I was I had that same thing in mind, and I was trying to think of a good way to phrase it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, only focusing on one part does the does the cliffhanger l- make you want a part two? Yeah, not in the same way as something like Best of Both Worlds. Uh, yeah. No, clearly not. Yeah, but does it build up enough of a story that makes you think, "Oh my gosh, there's so much more to be told"? What's mm. going to happen next week? I don't mm. know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, not really. Yeah. No, exactly. Not. Exactly. I mean. If there's something more cool, if not, there's another Star Trek story. And well, here's here's uh, to <laughs> to borrow Keith's phrase to your point. Um, <laughs> when I watched when I rewatched Sakal, I was so engrossed in it that I mm-hmm. wanted to keep watching. When mm-hmm. I watched this one, I thought, okay, well, that's my assignment done. I've watched part one for this <laughs> ep- for this podcast, and and that's that's all I need to see. Yeah. So I, I wasn't like, you know, had it been really engaging, I would have con- continued on and, you know, watch part two, but I just didn't. So I guess, I guess that's says something. Yeah. Does that have anything to do with the fact that the call is so much fresher? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so because I, I, I rewatch these things trying to be like a first time viewer. Like this right. is, you know, this is me watching this show again, but trying to make it for the first time mm-hmm. yeah i think for me watching it and i and again i grew up on the original series so i am not the guy who criticizes production values but <laughs> no um, just the way they write the science yeah yeah you gotta do, <laughs> dude, you gotta do that right <laughs> but i think it's funny what y'all said what y'all said make me like it like it make what y'all said makes me like it more i think the concepts are bigger than the execution it still feels kind of small mm. For some reason, and you know, it's like that if makes you ever sense. Watch, yeah, if you ever watch shows like Xena or the Hercules series and stuff like that, one of the funniest things when you ever watch an episode of Xena Hercules is they talk about this big army that they're fighting, and you know, back to what you said earlier, Alan, about the camera. You know, if to pull the camera back, there's like six stunt guys that keep flipping. <laughs> Yeah. This show yeah. felt it, it felt small, even when they went to the villages and the places where the Maquis live. I always yeah. kind of felt like I was on a set. Mm-hmm. You know, I never really, and I know this whole point of this, this is a bunch of ragtag, basically farmers, kind of like um, back in my own state's history when the Texicans fought the Mexi- Mexican army, but it felt small in some ways. And so I have to really think about the concepts to get the feeling of bigness, but I don't feel it on screen, if that makes any sense. I, I don't that know does, That makes absolute yeah. sense. And oh, yeah. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was something that plagued Star Trek for years. Sure. Uh, alien planets with a dozen guys on it. Right. You know, or an invading army of, you know. You yeah, know, exactly. But, but, you know, like right. I, I mentioned Doctor Who earlier, and that's a thing that Doctor Who had to do because of budget. Yeah. If you have if you're talking about the fall of a kingdom and, you know, the, the peasants are rebelling, that had to be conveyed in dialogue because yeah. you never saw. Right. Because you can't do big external shots outside of the, the castle with peasants, you know, trying to mm-hmm. break down the barriers. You, you can't do that. Right. So you just have to convey that in dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, the last thing I would say about it is, is I think what we we're all saying too, is there were great performances and Mark Alamo just oh continues to build he his is, acting ability. Wow. He is so, so phenomenal. He yeah. is so good. He blows he me away. Me. Like, like I'll watch an episode that I've seen 35 yeah. times and he still like impresses me with how good he is. Same here. And I grew up watching that guy on all kinds of things, like everything from police woman to, you know, all those, yeah. all those 70s uh, cop shows and I, what i do do is that you know they, like you said they do world building character building because you learn some things about the cardassians like the cot uh, like uh cisco mentions that he doesn't want the cot to have the controls or even see the controls because yes. he knows the cardassian soldiers are trained to have photographic memories basically yeah <laughs> which i thought was really wild and then he talks about the fact that he has children and you know that's kind of a stunner yeah 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 totally yeah you're, you're basically you're a father you have some kind of sense of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that he was already familiar with the controls anyway, and he was just messing with Cisco. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're way beyond this, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, I, I know where that. the button is. Just, 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 yeah, get just, <laughs> just do it. I gotta take care of this guy. Looking back, because I know and I've seen it, is I, I don't also think that the Marquis never ever really felt the promise of the Marquis was never truly realized in my That's opinion. True. Yeah. I don't know why, but they just never really became the thing we thought they would become. They never even became on, really interesting. Exactly. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. And point. even on Voyager, it, they were barely mucky, you no. know? Right. That's yeah. the place where it could have been and should have been fleshed out, and yeah. it just wasn't. Yeah. They were mucky for the first episode. In fact, I think the destruction of the mucky by the Dominion, it was like something that was referenced that happened off screen. They go on Voyager, yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, they Cardassians teamed up with the Dominion, and, and the mucky are wiped out. By the way, right? Yeah. right. <laughs> Is anyone at home sad? No. Okay, moving along. <laughs> yes. Welcome to Doctor Geek's laboratory. Doctor Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro science and pro vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. For the past 12 seasons, Mike and Mike have been bringing you a weekly look at all things geek. With reviews, discussions, interviews, and topicals from across the Geekosphere. Now, with Geek Life slowly returning to normal in 2021, join the Earth Station One crew as we look at the return of the summer movie season, preview the fall TV lineup, look at all the big conventions now happening, along with other geek topics. You can listen to Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. And as always, Earth Station One is a founding member of the ESO Network. All right. Well, speaking of Voyager, that brings us to our next episode, Veronica. Yeah. Woohoo. Tuvix. Tuvix. Oh, my gosh. Tuvix. I love Tuvix. Yes. The Tuvix character is my, or the ex- both. Both. Okay. Tuvix yes. is my favorite Voyager episode. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I think it's just great Star Trek. Seriously? It, seriously. I think we're wow. star, you know, star Trek does big epic episodes at times, but I think where yeah. Star Trek lives and where it excels is when it's a play. And you, I mean, mm-hmm. this episode, you've got a guest star on yeah. our regular sets. I'm like, all right, tell a great science fiction story. 
yes. that is engaging and morally ambiguous and people have to make big decisions. And I think and, this and, does it. And makes the viewer think and makes yeah. the viewer examine their own perspective, their own beliefs. Right. To this yeah. day, Tuvix is referenced. I see Tuvix referenced on Facebook probably like three times a week in various Star Trek groups. Like <laughs> people are just always me- memeing Tuvix and talking about Tuvix. And <laughs> right. the reason is it's like a Twilight Zone episode. Right. Yeah. And, and mean- not not only in that these two guys are combined into one guy. And what's the morality? Do we kill the new, the one guy who wants to live or do we save the two guys? And right. But at the end, you even have that sort of twilight zone scene where he's shouting at his community of people who decided he should die. Mm -hmm. Like you can't do this to me. And none of them can look him in the eye. It's just, I mean, you could have put that in black and white and done it on the twilight zone. Easy. Yeah. It's hugely compelling. Yeah. It's, it's still baffling to me how all of them were in it in like complete agreement and no one had any objections at all whatsoever well they want their friends back yeah except the the doctor and i thought it was a powerful scene yeah Yeah. yes yeah the doctor said i cannot do any harm i will not perform this procedure i thought that was that was powerful like yeah 10 seconds it's a powerful moment from the doctor and i like that they make a point of letting weeks pass yeah he's developing a life on the ship like it's not that after mm-hmm. they didn't keep him in a containment field until they figured out how to solve it. You know, like he's been doing a job and making friends and carrying on. But one of the points that they made in the episode was that the technology, the know-how to make the reversal of this does not exist. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to figure this out. It may take weeks. It may take months. It may take years. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, they only spent weeks with this new persona. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if they had spent months or years oh, yeah. with Tuvix and then figured out a way to uncombine like, and then say, oh, well, you know, we've known you for four years, but we going to get the original two dudes back. Yeah, that you're right. That I mean, like, like season six or something. You know? <laughs> See, wouldn't that been I mean, of course, you know, it's going to get reset at the end of the yeah. episode because, you know, the two actors are mm-hmm. contracted through the end of the season or whatever. But right. wouldn't it have been really cool, even if it was just from one season to the next season, to have that character continue and then midway through the following season, have that confrontation? Oh, yeah. That, 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 would, that would be incredible. That would have been incredible. Yeah. yeah. Alan, in my notes, I wrote down, to your point, I wrote down in my notes, they needed at least three episodes with the Tubix character. Sure. And before they kill them off, because that's you know one episode was still powerful, but a little pat rushed. No, I agree. They they oh, yeah. should have done at least a, a three or four episode run to get the audience to think, what if this is the new character? Mm-hmm. What if they have actually done this, where they have gotten rid of two established cast members and added a new guy in their place? Yeah. They, Holy it, smokes. They weren't really making Star Trek that way at that time, though. No, of course you they were. I mean, but, but also you run the risk because, I mean, he's great in the part and you run the risk of people being disappointed when, <laughs> when Ethan Phillips right. and Tim Russ come back. And I like those two guys, but Tuvix, I thought, was a really compelling character. Yeah. And I thought his sort of sad relationship with Kess was Kess. more effective than Neelix's relationship yes. with Kess ever was. Yes. Yeah. They're like, we'll take our time to get to know each other. Right. Yes. And that's that's an interesting point, because, you know, of, of you know, in the end, of course, Janeway was right, mm. because you have these two individuals who have families, they have loved ones. And the personification of that is Kess, who it has this strong reaction to, you know, she misses the 
you know, emotional abuser with whom she's developed. Uh, <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> with whom she's developed um, Stockholm syndrome, you know? So, <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the morality is like, could you, would you shoot this one guy to save these two guys? I understand, you know, it's but, funny. Yeah. It's and funny. Those other two it. guys are already technically dead. Well, I see that's the and that's the question. It's it's so funny you said that, Charles, about the discussions because I was I just happened to watch a Facebook post where somebody asked why was uh, Janeway as overall a cavalier, a captain as Captain Kirk, and that was her, that was the point. And they had nothing to do with this episode. And then right in the middle of the responses, somebody wrote up two weeks, and dude, it just took off. And after that, <laughs> it was all two weeks. And yeah. and there was one person who's like, well, the needs of the many outweigh the few, the needs of the one. And then to your point, Veronica, one person said, but Tuvok and Neelix were already dead. Yeah. But really, were they? Because they but were they still in dead. No. Yes. Yeah. That's, That's the thing. They're not dead. But they're gone. They're dead-ish. Dead-ish. <laughs> <laughs> their, their separate personalities are gone. They are both that is true. still there. Yeah. Yes, they are. that is true. And yeah. frankly, one person where the two of them together was kind of better at both of their jobs. Okay, 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 okay. But that's the thing. They made this character, Tuvix, to be the best of the two previous characters combined. What yeah. if Tuvix had been the worst of those other two <laughs> characters combined? That's you true. Know, what, what if he had just been a smug, you're going to have to bleep this, asshole, <laughs> and no one liked him. And all yeah. they would say is, when can we get the, this dude separated <laughs> into the, the two people that we know and like? Right. I think no, you're right. That's the thing. He, he was not a balanced character. He was the mm. perfect character. I think he they did good. that to make it harder for it. You well, know? of course they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but the thing is, what if it hadn't turned out that way? The argument would be completely different. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it would. Uh, I, I liked um, Janeway having to wrestle with it, though. I mean, I think this oh, is totally this episode for her reminded me of like Cisco in the pale moonlight when she has to yeah. like ultimately the captain has to make the hard call whether yeah. everyone agrees or not. What well, you know what I mean? The doctor refuses to participate. Fine. Give me the hypo. Exactly. Someone's got to make someone's got to do it. You know, exactly right. Exactly. Uh, and yeah. even, I mean, when Janeway's walking away after doing it, she's not happy to see. I mean, she I'm sure she's happy to see her friends again, but she's not happy with the decision. I mean, no, watching no. her walk away like she just murdered someone. Yeah. Yeah. Which she did. Really? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, and I think the question is, if so many people said, was this person killed? Because the truth of the matter is, I think the, I got to say the only person truly murdered or killed was was Tuvix. Because Neelix and Tuvok were still inside of Tuvix. And you could also make a point. Well, you don't know that that the Tuvix personality doesn't now exist in some way in both of them. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe uh, Neelix is changed a little bit by having experienced some of Tuvok's personality when they're combined. Yeah. If, if they did that at all and had any If they did that. And of course whatsoever. they didn't. They no. didn't from into this episode. No. You never nothing. No. Yeah, it's never, never mentioned again. Ever. And the, the you know the, the best thing that came out of this was that um, the, the 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 ship's chef was a better cook than, <laughs> yeah. than the one who previously existed. Do we know from this this point on that Neelix was a better chef because he experienced the Tuvix? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, my my problems with Voyager, I have you know the way they handle characterization over the years and character arcs. But when it comes to just one off science fiction story yeah. this week, I think Voyager does a great job yeah. of just a really yeah. interesting, yeah. weird sci-fi yeah. story. 
Yeah, I think this I is agree a great example of it. I agree with that. So what would each one of you have done if you were Janeway? Oh, I'd have kept two picks. <sighs> yeah, oh yeah. Alan? No, I would do the same thing Janeway did. I don't know. I still don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm so much on the fence on this one. I, every, every time I've watched this episode probably half a dozen times in the last year, and I have a different um, outcome every single time. So is there ever a case where, like, like Alan mentioned, if it was a character that we just despised, where like mm. there was a bad character and a good character that were smushed together for some reason <laughs> and they had to fix it and you're like well obviously you're going to kill this one person that's both of them because they're part evil and we want the good person back <laughs> they ever do anything like that is there ever a case where we were like oh yeah split these two people up no or any, anything like that. the only the closest thing was when kirk became yeah two people and they had right. to sh- smush him back together yeah, yeah but actual mergings the only one i can even think of is body and soul kind of sort of on this on very same series with the doctor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah mm-hmm. yeah seven but i can't really think of anything else no um, one, one real quick thing i don't know if you've ever noticed the actor who plays tuvix is in the background a lot of star trek or mm-hmm. a decent amount um if you watch the next generation the um, the two-parter where Worf gets involved with the Klingon Civil War. And you remember the episode where Worf lead, he resigns his commission from Star Trek, I mean, from mm-hmm. Federation. And leaves the <laughs> ship. Well, <laughs> if you watch, it's real easy to see when all the people lined up to outside the transporter room to say goodbye to Worf. The, ca- the actor who plays Tuvox is one of them, mm-hmm. Tuvix. And he's standing right there. And I have no, and he's looking at Worf with this fondness and friendship. I'm like, who the heck is that guy? <laughs> and you see him in the background in a lot of Star Trek. He's like Mr. Leslie from the old series. He's yeah. around a lot, but I can never remember him having a role other than this one where he was uh, so prominent. And he's such a good actor. Yeah, yeah. And, he's great in this. And, and Charles, when you said that about the one-offs, one thing that it reminded me of, one thing I do miss from the original series, the original series was, was, I still think the most superior of all the series for bringing in guest actors of the week. Hmm. Uh, oftentimes it was a crewman, like it was a meteorologist an archeologist or something like that. Sometimes they yeah. got killed, but they did an awesome job with crew members that were guest stars of the week. And hmm. this actor, I think would have been a fantastic person to bring in more from another role. Uh, yeah. He's such a good actor. Yeah, I think so too. All right. We went over on that one on time. So <laughs> moving right along. Okay, so Enterprise, we have a an episode, which is um, one of the times that um, Enterprise really kind of uh, takes a storyline that they have uh, done before and develops it further. And uh, we have Stigma from uh, season two. And this is, um, okay, so the background on this is that uh, Viacom, which is the parent company of um Paramount Studios and UPN, uh, they wanted to develop an AIDS awareness campaign, and they invited the producers and showrunners from all of their properties to come in and have a meeting, and they made this pitch to, you know, and they nobody was required to, but they invited showrunners to develop a storyline for their respective show um, to sort of address the issue. And, you know, Enterprise being set in the future, you know, uh, has the opportunity to do it allegorically. So what they did was they took an episode from season one where um, to uh, Paul is essentially 
raped by uh, these Vulcans who practice mind melds. And the interesting thing about this uh, storyline to me is that, you know, Enterprise was all about uh, humanity coming, you know, we're, we're building the Federation. We're coming to the enlightened position that we know in the 24th century and the 23rd century even. And this is like the, the stepping stones to how humanity gets to that place. But it's also a big stepping stone for Vulcans because we see Vulcans in a very different place in Enterprise than we do later series. Um, so we find out that Vulcans do not approve of mind melds and the people who um, practice mind melds are shunned and are ostracized. And uh, so in this episode in Stigma, we find out that in that essentially mind rape that T'Pol went through, she was passed on a condition called Pinar syndrome. Uh, and the only way that it can be uh, conveyed to another person is through a mind meld. So the Vulcan government um, does nothing at all to try and find a cure for Pinar syndrome because it only affects people who have been ostracized from their society. And I think it's a really, really interesting episode. What are your thoughts, gang? Uh, I think to follow up what you said, Al, another thing that I thought was interesting about it was that when the Vulcans who basically scan um, to Paul's DNA to figure out she has this, and they're basically a bit recall her back to Vulcan. Mm -hmm. One of the big one of the big things about this entire episode is that um, Archer is furious when he first finds out to Paul was sick, and he 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 turns on to Paul and the doctor and says, "Why haven't you told me?" And the flock says, "It's doctor patient privilege." Yeah, and then to Paul doesn't want him to know. And then when they find out that she had been literally forced into a mind mill, I thought a, a really interesting part of this was she doesn't want to tell the Vulcans that she was that she was attacked because her point is, "Why should I have to give them a quote unquote reason why I have it?" Mm -hmm. It's their attitude I don't, like. and that's that's the struggle there. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. So there was a uh, back in the uh, late 80s and early 90s, uh, there was an absolute stigma against uh, anyone who had AIDS mm -hmm. uh, because it was seen as, um, you know, a condemnation from God for a sinful behavior, homosexuality, even though the condition could be passed on through blood transfusions or, you know, other ways, not mm -hmm. strictly the yeah. the the behavior that society was you know deeming to be evil and sinful right. um and so you would find out these you know like celebrities like sports figures or you know actors or whatever would you know it would come out that they were hiv positive and they would you know make a big deal about but i'm not gay you know right. because mm -hmm. it was the gay thing that was um you know it was it was one thing to have hiv and it's another thing to have hiv because you're gay mm -hmm. and What's interesting about this episode is that it takes that situation specifically, and uh, we see an element of that here when T'Pol is encouraged to play the victim card. Mm -hmm. The Vulcan, yes. it was sort of their equivalent of saying, I'm not gay, but she refuses. And I, I wrote down the quote. It's so good. If I use that as a defense, as a way to keep from being taken off Enterprise, I would be condoning their prejudice. And in the process, indicting every member of the minority, I won't do that. Absolutely. So she had an out. She had a way to, 
you know, maybe get in good with the government and, and to have them help her find a cure because she was an unwilling victim, but she would not take it because no. that just reinforces the government's position. And I just thought that was incredible. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I like this episode a lot. I hadn't seen this since it originally aired. I think it's a very well-made episode. I like the the messages. I think using Vulcan mind melds as an allegory like that yeah. is very effective because Vulcan mind melds is something that we all know as something that's normal for Vulcans and mm-hmm. essential for Vulcans. You know what I mean? The, oh, right. they used to have biases against that, you know? So Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, my my problem with the episode at the time, well, not a problem with this episode, but really it was the fact that it was 2003. And there's like, why are we waiting until 2003 to do this? This would have been a really cutting edge episode in 1990. It would have know? been. You're correct. And I know that, you know, uh, David Gerald had pitched Blood and Fire, which was a, an AIDS HIV allegory that had, you know, gay right. characters in it back in the 80s. And that they wouldn't do. Yeah, get a few sort of um, allegory episodes over the years that I don't think were real satisfying as far as being allegories for, you know, homosexuality and and issues in that community. Mm -hmm. But by 2003, I mean, you could have a gay character on TV like uh, like Will and Grace was on every week. (laughs) You know what I mean? But Star (laughs) Trek at that time was still refusing. Exactly. They wouldn't have a gay character. And yet there's like, well, you can't you know, have a stigma against this minority. And it's like, but you're having a stigma against this minority. So there's a right. there's that element of it. Feel, it was another what, 14 years before you have Colburn Stamets on Discovery. So right. it's like, you're, there's a bit of talking out of both sides of their mouth that, that I, I just didn't feel by, by that point, Star Trek wasn't pushing boundaries anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, Gene Roddenberry yeah. used to talk about how they, they would do allegories so they could sneak it by the network. Yes. In 2003, <laughs> the network's asking him to do an episode about it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. Exactly right. That, and, and they didn't set it the situation up in season one in yeah. order to do this. Right. They found an episode in season one that gave them, uh, you know, a, a doorway reason. into this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah. Which I, I don't be- want to hold that against this episode. I think, like I said, I no. think it's, it's, it's well done. The, as far as the, the the episode itself, just trying to stick to that up for a minute, um, I think the the weakest thing for me is that the A plot and B plot just feel disconnected from each other. Yes, totally. that's true. And, and the B are. plot is and the B plot I think is fantastic, but yes. I, I wrote it's down fun. the same note. It I I wrote down the same note is it probably shouldn't have been grafted onto the story to this, well, especially with flocks being so integral in both of them. Because in yes. one yes. scene it's. To Paul may true. die. We have to get the information. The next scene, like, oh, my wife wants to sleep with Trip. How fun! Right. The next scene, the rose petal Yeah, you know, like, you're right. It's, it's, yes. and it's weird. And I think that um, Mayweather and Hoshi were given short shrift in this episode. Absolutely. I, well, well, when weren't they? I know. What, one yeah. of the things I was very confused about is why anyone thought flocks would be upset. <laughs> like. Sure. Genuinely, did yeah, you on Enterprise though? Anytime that the adults, like the the men, have to deal with a sexual situation, they turn into yes. Wesley Crusher, and it's like, golly, I can't play the grown up games. Like, right? Why are you but all you, shucksing? But you also have this uh, aimed at Trip, who yeah. is the the proper Southern gentleman, True. you know. And it's just amazing that we're in the twenty second century, and you know, we aren't any more grown up about as a society. About yeah. these issues, no, because they wrote them like they were fifties characters, right? Like exactly. they're fifties characters on a rocket ship, which I get. It's a prequel, but <laughs> right, sure, but not that we're, much. We're, yeah, we're, this isn't a, this isn't an X minus one episode, you know. <laughs> where you, you could you could update it, you know, and, and yeah. still and still get that feeling. I think 
Yeah, well, they, yeah. may have played, I, they may have played a little broadly. I will say, though, if a co-worker of mine's wife put a move on me, I'd be freaked out. I, I, do, I will say that. I would like, I, I don't oh, yeah. know what to do. Well, but certainly. I agree with you. But they but played it sitcom Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, the, if, yeah, you, if you like, like sit- knew that they were because that's a that's a thing now. There's all kinds of open relationships and people in with multiple people in relationships. It's it's mm-hmm. not, it's fairly normal now. Yeah. Um, and, and if you I think knew polygamy that, is far more common now than it was in 2003. Yeah. And if you knew but if you knew that about the person, you wouldn't be like, oh, my gosh, what are this other person? Yeah, 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 like, you're right. He knows it. he's he's got like four wives or something. <laughs> well, well, actually, yeah, we, but does already, he know that? Does, yeah. does Trump know that? Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's already established. Um, And I think it's interesting when um, Trip does the gentlemanly thing and he goes to Phlox and he's like, you know, look, he's all bashful about it. He's like, look, I am so sorry to bring this up, but your your wife is like, you know, coming on to me and and Phlox just like brushes it aside. He's like, nonsense, nonsense. I wrote this one down, too. You're too concerned with human morality. I thought you wanted to learn about new cultures. Isn't that why you joined Starfleet? And he's like, he's addressing this issue like he's saying, you're, you should try Denopulan cuisine. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you want to experience Spain, have paella. You know, but he's saying if you want to learn about Denobulus, right. sleep with my wife. Yeah. yeah. Like, Boy, did you sneak a euphemism in there? If you haven't tried Caesar, you don't know what you're missing. Right. <laughs> I love it. But in those scenes, I mean, I thought that was a cute scene. I like Trip's yeah. delivery where he's like, afraid so. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But I, I, do, I mean, the whole time you feel like Flock should be like, you know what? I've got the A plot on my mind, so I'm a little distracted. You guys just have fun. You know yeah, what I mean? it was it was a bad graft. And I've also yeah. I, I, I know I referenced the original series so much, but there are many original series episodes that don't have an A and a B plot. That's and true. I, That's true. I think Most sometimes. Yeah, I think sometimes you can stand not to have a B plot because, as you guys say, it was. A, I really enjoy. It. I love the actress who played his wife. I mean, she was so she's the on that Yes. 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 <laughs> and I, Mrs. Yes, and I tell you, and I and at the end, I truly laugh when he leaves, and they just look at him and go humans, and they just laugh. Yes. I thought it was, but then to your point, we go back to Paul and this really serious story, and I just thought they just I didn't think, graph together. I think they were afraid of having an episode too dark or too yeah. serious, or too much of a downer, so they had to lift it. Yeah, with I a agree. humorous B plot, and I don't think that was the right step no. to take. And they did yeah. that a few times, like Congenitor yes. that does the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah, you right. have like the wacky read thing going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, exactly. One, okay. one final thing I want to say, because I know we took we ran on long on this one too, and I knew we sure. probably would. One, one final thing I want to say, because um, I love the treatment of the Vulcans on the show. A lot of people hate the Vulcans on Enterprise. I like the fact that the Vulcans are struggling with their logic, and I like the fact that they almost fell under the sway of the Romulans. But good episode. It's hilarious to me that people are so up in arms about how woke Discovery is and clearly forget episodes like this. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that just boggles my mind. Yeah. That's what Star Trek's been doing. Exactly. It was the same thing when the tw- new Twilight Zone came out and everyone was like, why does it have an agenda? Like, did you watch the Twilight Zone? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like Hitler came back one time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that brings us to the last episode on our list. Sue call Emmy award winning episode. Yeah. 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 Look at and, that. And I love this one. Yeah. I, it's just for one, it's gorgeous. They deserve that award, but also just from a storytelling standpoint, it's fun. it is. It's, it really is. You get the whole thing where they beam over and the holodeck turns them into other races and oh, man. Them navigate the hollow, the glitchy holographic environment. Yeah. And I, just I love, love it. 
seeing Doug Jones out of his makeup. Yeah. yeah. And his really heels weird. touching the ground. Yeah. Which <laughs> I mean, that indicates, though, that they, they really were transformed. It wasn't an illusion because he could feel it. Yeah. yeah or at totally. least there's a haptic response of some kind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and I thought that I, I forget his name. The guy who played Sukal, I thought was great. Yeah. yeah, he's very good. Yeah. Um, and I thought the design of the creature was mm. so effective. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was so beautiful. And and it had a real like almost a haunted house slash um, uh, Dementor from Harry Potter kind of feel to it. I just thought it was so well done. Oh, yeah. And if I remember correctly from the behind the scenes stuff, there was like an actual person there was uh, yes. doing uh, quite a bit of that. Mm. Yes. Um, one of my favorite scenes in this is uh, when Burnham first meets Sukal and he can't quite grasp who she is. And he thinks, oh, so you're you're another character in the hollow. Yeah. And then and she adopts that new personality yes. where like, she's like right away. Yes. And she's oh, Hello. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. I thought she she's great in this. She is. Yeah. Um, this is one of those episodes, though, that makes me feel like uh, it's probably for the best for everybody that Saru went back to Kaminar and didn't stay the captain because he makes a lot of questionable command decisions. Mm, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. For can one, see you're it. dealing yeah. with the fallout of him having made um, Ensign Tilly the first officer. And you can tell mm. even the Admiral's not so sure about this. But yeah, she the, the ship gets captured, even though she does her best. She does a, She does a really yeah. good job just doesn't i mean you can't put an ensign in that position right and then they, the, the thing with you know we have to jump to the nebula because the there's a, a kelpie in there well kelpie is yeah. under attack well we, we should go there instead no they're, yes. they're trying to distract us like you know like he, he i don't think he was quite ready i like saru a lot i don't i think yeah. he's probably a better diplomat than a captain though 100 <laughs> percent agree on that point yeah uh, but I love the the, the additions to Kelpian society where they're working yes. with the Baul and they they brought back the, the you know the actor that played his wife or not his wife his sister and his dad as mm-hmm. different as in different Kelpian roles I thought they were yeah. both great and the old Kelpian storyteller was wonderful oh I love that so much yeah I, and I, the song the song that they sing mm, to yeah. keep away the evil uh, it was really really nice I love like l- cultural touches like that I love Tilly but I really did write down I really did write down this makes no sense. It doesn't um, make sense. In no shape, form, or fashion does it make sense. Of I course, it doesn't. Yeah, um, I mean, and also there's protocol, and there's people on that ship. I think we all we I think we mentioned this once before. I don't know what it is, but I love all the actors who play the bridge crew. There's something oh, about you. Them. You know how I feel about that. I love. <laughs> I them. love them. Yeah, and the whole time I was thinking. Well, hey, one of they have seniority. It they just do. They outrank sense. her. And yeah. the thing that There's drives no me reason. crazy, it's, yeah. it's not from this no. episode, but when uh, he makes her first officer and yeah. she basically has to go and tell all these other people that outrank her, hey, I'm your first officer. And they're all right. like, oh, we're right Say behind yes. you. We're, that is <laughs> stupid. Not, not one of yeah. them said, no. oh, are you freaking kidding me? I outrank you by two or three <laughs> Boy, ranks. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Absolutely. my God! You so mean if, if the twenty-two-year-old at work came in and said they're going to be your boss, you wouldn't start chanting "Take the job"? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, unless it was Les- unless it was Wesley Crusher, because the other thing at the end of the day is Tilly <laughs> just doesn't. No matter what her natural abilities are, she doesn't have experience. End no. of story. She's only been on Starship for two years or something like that. Correct. She just doesn't have it. So the other thing I didn't like, and I, I watched this episode. Um, I, I guess this is my third or fourth sitting of this episode. 
Osira, is that how I pronounce her name? Yeah. yeah. So she just is too. She's too cartoonish for me as a. As a <laughs> really? Yeah, I for love me. her. For me, there's something about the way she she acts and she kind of prances around. Um, she feels a little cartoonish for me. So, yep. and, may, and maybe I was so engaged with the planet. The story of Sukal himself just captivated me. Mm. When they went back to her, how she was acting, something about it just took me out of the show. I don't know why. I can't put my finger on it. I didn't like her until the next episode. And then I thought she was uh, yeah. great in the next episode when it's her and Vance. Yeah. Um, and turns out she's she's tr- her, her big evil plan is to try to negotiate to join the Federation. Right. Get legitimacy. <laughs> but he can't uh, let her, even though it would be great for everybody, except for you're a dictator. So everybody can join. But you that's the, yeah. that's, the that's the that's the catch. And you know what I mean? I, I thought that that was great, but that's a different episode. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't you know, <laughs> and that's the thing. I didn't watch the I didn't watch the second episode. And I kind of yeah. wondered what my reaction would be if I watched all the the actually both there are two episodes that follow this, right? Isn't it a, isn't it, is it a three-part story, not just a two-part? Well, it sort of goes till the end of the season. Yeah. 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 And I didn't have time, so I, I wondered about that. But in this episode, I something about her, I don't know. I just yeah. didn't work for me. But and then and also my the whole thing with Tilly, but I love the story on the planet. Um, just beautiful. I just want to say uh, the, the the all the scenes, uh, the confrontations between Osira and Tilly, I thought were really good. I thought that even though she doesn't have experience, Tilly sort of like you know rallied herself and oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. uh, you know and really just met Osira exactly where she, the way she should have met her. Mm-hmm. And the, the the disappointing thing to me is that Osira kind of like um, you know she calls her. I forget the, what line it was that she said. I didn't write it down like the previous two episodes, but she calls her red, you know, her hair yeah. color. And why Tilly didn't say, well, listen up, green. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I, that would have made that would have been the perfect line, the perfect comeback. And she didn't yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I thought Tilly, I mean, she she put in a good effort in the command. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and trying to stick it right back to her. And, uh, and but, to be fair, I mean. Who in the 23rd century would be ready to be for the transporter bum rush of dudes sure. just like instantly transporting all over the ship? That's not something that would happen back no. then. No, absolutely not. Even Pike wouldn't have been able to well, deal with that immediately. He would have figured it out. Of course he would have because <laughs> he's Captain Pike. That's right. All right. Yeah, I, I lost track of time over the last few episodes, but I think we made it. I think we we did. Yeah, we came in at we right an hour. I think yeah. we're right an hour. I, I have a lot of fun with like random, the random assortment of episodes. Yeah, I do too. You know, we're not picked on a theme. They just, just they all happen to fall and sort of see where each show was at that point in its development. Yeah. yeah. Out of all of these, which one was your most enjoyable for the rewatch? I would say Sakal, except that it was the one that I watched most recently. Mm-hmm. So I think the one that I enjoyed the most seeing again was Tuvix. Mm. I agree. Same here. Tuvix is my favorite. I think, yeah, Tuvix and Sakal are, are the, the, the two most enjoyable for me uh, as yeah. well. And Icarus Factor at the bottom. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, okay, I did enjoy rewatching that because I haven't seen it in a long time because uh, it's so bad. But really? so, but I enjoy rewatching the bad ones sometimes. Yeah. You know, and I, I, when I, I fired it up and I was like, you know what? I remember the Ambu Jitsu and Riker's dad, but I don't remember what happens in this episode. And it turns <laughs> because out nothing, nothing does. Happens. Yeah, nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's just like, it's just like a, a, a long back while when we watched the Robin Hood episode. Yeah. And uh, you, all you remember is the really fun, really funny 
Robin Hood stuff and you forget that it goes like 20 minutes with nothing happening. Yeah. <laughs> this episode goes 45. It does. <laughs> There's no plot. No. So, so almost none of these were actually a rewatch. Or if they were, I have absolutely no memory oh, of it. Oh, we, we know, sweetie. But I mean, you've seen Sukal, I know. And I well, know you've Sukal, seen Tuvix. Sukal and Tuvix were yeah. the only ones. And I probably genuinely hadn't you've seen, seen the You've seen the Maquis. Well, OK, yes, yeah, the Maquis. Um, and I but I probably had not seen I definitely had not seen Enterprise. I hmm. don't remember ever having seen the Ambu Jitsu um, okay. and just in uh, TNG. And I know I'd never saw the TOS one because yeah. I wow. remember that one. That's awesome. Hey, we didn't watch. mention this before, but don't slap pregnant ladies. Yeah. Uh, don't, yeah. Don't, don't, don't try it at home. Yes. Yeah. Right. Doesn't matter how yeah. much they punch you. Yeah, it's not a good idea. It's not going to work out for you. Right. Because then they're gonna they're gonna call you your mate, their mate. <laughs> no, they'll just kill you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anybody have any other final thoughts? This was fun. Yeah. I, I think I think I think um, I think any random sampling is going to be fun. There's there's a very small number of shows in all track that I truly 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 despise. Icarus is not one of them. So this is actually fun. Yeah. I think we should do another random sampling kind of show, and we should come up with a different pattern. I I think we absolutely have to do the 60th episodes when we get to 60. But to have another one before then, we should do like the first episode in each series that starts with the letter B. Just something crazy, just something something wacko like that. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be balanced. See what we end up with. Yeah, 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 exactly. And we also want to remind everybody that on Wednesday, the 27th, we are doing our second live show. It's going to be uh, broadcast live on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. And our theme is going to be favorite Halloween episodes. Yeah. So you don't want to miss it. Uh, watch our Facebook page for uh, a chance to vote on your favorite uh, Halloween episode. Pitch us uh, your favorites, and we may be able to talk about them on the show. And if you watch live, you can pitch us questions and comments as we do the show, and we'll get to them as close to live as we possibly can. So Wednesday, the 27th at 8 p.m. We'll see and you, you can there. See how adorable I am. She's the cute one. <laughs> I am the cute one. They're just my partners. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone know what that's from? No. Well, no, but. Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. That's one of their songs. No, I am the nobody cute one. knows. Where... She's just my sister. No, no okay. Uh, you're, the, you're the only one that was Mary Kate and Ashley age. Yeah. yeah. They're exactly my age. <laughs> okay. Good to know. <laughs> okay. Alan, where can people find more of you on the internet? You can go to cosmicpress.com, K O Z M I C press.com. And you can very, very, very soon purchase your own copy of our new novel. The Mad King by Rebecca Mabry. It's phenomenal. I love it so much. And you can check out my music show on YouTube, uh, Modern Musicology. How about you, Keith? You can find me on Instagram and participating in the ESO Network Facebook groups. And how about us, Veronica? FeltDirty.com. That's right. We say you to our Facebook page. That's right. <laughs> Which has a lot of adorable pictures. So go look at them. <laughs> including including puppets on a Star Trek set. That's true. And a lot of Star yeah. Trek puppets. Yes. Yeah. A lot awesome. of them. All right. Do you have a closing for us, Veronica? No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs>
even when you don't have, you're always able to just pull one out of your hat. Yeah. But not this time. No, I, I completely forgot about a closing. Like even when we were doing our little closing thing, I was I just do 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 do. I'm gonna say feltnoody.com and I'm gonna be adorable. And no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Borrow a line from wow. Tubix and tell our audience you are good people. <laughs> I you forgive are you. Good people. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Nice. I don't know. That's my ending. I don't I mean, know. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.